if you just focus on, for example, selling T-shirts or just selling research, well, research, you know, I need research on ABC company. Well, then what am I going to base my decision on? Just the lowest price? Or you want T-shirt? I need, you know, 100 white T-shirts. Okay, well, then if all you want is 100 white T-shirts, you just get the cheapest price and, and, and deliver them. Well, no, you don't want to be in that business. The first question, every time I meet with a client, clients would ask me, I need 100 T-shirts. The first thing I would say is, why? Why do you need those T-shirts? Why? Because maybe... You don't even need t-shirts. What's the objective you want? You might be just wasting your time. And the best thing you can do is when the client says, I need 100 t-shirts or I need research on ABC company, if you can make them realize that they didn't actually need it. They came in your, think about coming in your store and they realize and you convince them not to buy something, as much as you believe you're actually turning away money, you're actually building what is invaluable and priceless and that's trust and at the end of the day when you're selling something whether it's t-shirts research asset management stuffed animals you have to build trust with the person that's giving you money in exchange for the product or service and if you recognize that you can learn to sell anything Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an amazing, exciting guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is one of my oldest and dearest friends in the world, and he is one of the most successful business people in the financial services industry in all of North America. He is a true thought leader, having created this niche for himself as a true innovator all by himself. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary founder of Veritas Investment Research, Anthony Shilapati. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Thank you, Nikki. Great to be here. Sir, it's a total honor to have you on the show. Sir, the person who listens to this show is an entrepreneur. They are a business owner. The reason they listen to this show is because they want to learn from you. They want to know how it is that you've become the success that you've become, and they want to learn how they can apply some of the things that you've done into their own life and their own business. But in order for them to do that, they need to get to know you a little bit. They need to get to connect with you. So, Tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Anthony Shilapati? Well, well, well. How did I get to be where I'm at? Well, I guess from a professional perspective, started out that I wanted to be in business always for myself. And so from a very young age, you know, even before I was 10, I was taking on paper routes. And I enjoyed sort of making money and uh, 
enjoyed running it. What started out as one paper route became more than one paper route as I uh, took over other friends' paper routes and then started subcontracting back to them certain days that they could deliver. So that way I'd take on a bigger a bigger space and obviously make uh, more money without having to necessarily do as much, uh, any uh, material amounts of more work. And that sort of desire to be on my own and to lead, I think carried through. And, you know, as I grew up through my teens, I uh, started doing um, promotional products and, and, and t-shirts and, and jackets and, and such. And it really came from the desire to provide clients with what they wanted. And I learned from that, that you have to listen to your clients, listen what they need. And essentially help them to solve a problem, uh, not just sell them a product, solve a problem with a service or with a, with a particular product that, that you could provide them. And then I carried that through uh, thinking that I was going to be a lawyer now, because even though I was, I was always an entrepreneur, I, I thought, you know, growing up in a, in a very traditional sort of immigrant family from Italy, um, you know, you had to be a doctor or a lawyer because anything less would have been would have been probably not successful. So here I go to university. I'm going to study business just because that seemed to make sense, and that was what I was interested in. But I was going on. I was on a fast track to get into law school. So during my second year, I said, "Look, I'm going to write my LSAT because that was something that you had to do." And I was on the fast track with everything that I did in my life. So why not already uh, take the course? or take the take the test during second year and soon I didn't hardly study at the time because things relatively came came relatively easily for me in in school so I didn't do much studying and I did sort of okay not well enough to get in and then I took it again uh, with some studying still not necessarily good enough to get in after second year so I had to face an important fork in the road if you will uh, where my thoughts were that I was going to be a lawyer and I realized Really, when I stepped back and, and smelled the roses, if you will, and thought about what I really loved, it was business. What I really loved was actually my accounting courses, if you can imagine, that I was taking at the time. And I said, you know what? Somebody's telling me something here, and uh, I better listen. And, and that was, let's study this accounting, and let's maybe get into accounting, because accounting seems interesting, and I was using it in my own personal business. It was helping me get through school, so doing my taxes and such was something I did on my own. My dad taught me that. He said, if you can take care of your own books, you can make sure that you're always uh, making the amount of money you need to make. <laughs> and so well, I studied accounting and then went to go work at Arthur Anderson, and, and after about three months, I wanted to leave, hating sort of the, the audit type work uh, because it was kind of dry and, and not necessarily very meaningful. But in the meantime, I discovered something called the stock market. And I remember from my first days working at Arthur Anderson after I graduated from uh, university that this stock market was was a place really where I could display all my talents, uh, study business, study accounting, study financial information, look at the businesses that are and, and what's really driving them, and then be able to profit from, from making investments. And so what I soon realized was that I just loved investing and I loved accounting, uh, even though the audit work that I was doing didn't like, but I uh, soon channeled it into doing some forensic work and due diligence work at Arthur Anderson. And then I left 
and joined a, a boutique firm doing litigation work and expert testimony. That was in uh, around 97. And I was teaching at York University at the time. I was teaching accounting. I always loved teaching. It's, it's something that's carried through whether I'm now coaching. I stopped coaching hockey, but I coached hockey for 10 years. Uh, both my own children, uh, my own child, I should say, and, uh, and then children even I even coached before I had uh, children of my own to coach. But that same teaching is what I apply a lot to my current business. And so fast forwarding here, 97, I'm teaching, I'm doing litigation work. And I was in one of my classes, uh, was the head of research at a brokerage firm named Mike Palmer. And he approached myself and my partners at the time doing our litigation work saying, hey, can you guys write about these examples of companies that are cheating on their accounting during that I was giving to my students? And I, I was doing this for fun. You don't really make necessarily a lot of money teaching. You do it because you love it. And so I said, well, you mean we can do this, write this information and actually make money from it? People will want to hear it. And he says, oh, yeah, no one's doing this. So I thought, oh, my gosh, I may have found the perfect job. I'm going to write about what I love, which is things related to accounting and business, and people are going to pay me to do it. What could be better? So I started writing in 1999 about like things like IMAX and CallNet and Loan Group, and, and then all of a sudden we wrote about Nortel, and that essentially put us on the map because uh, we had written a sell report on all these companies that I had mentioned, and uh, Nortel was the biggest company in Canada at the time. This is 2000, and we said sell the biggest company in Canada, and so we were ridiculed. We were called crazy, uh, clients canceled, but we held true to our work, which was based on the fundamental analysis we'd done, and uh, we were vindicated. Ultimately, Nortel went bankrupt in 2008, but the stock plummeted in 2000 and, and through 2001 and 2002. So, so really, that's the long story of how I got to where I'm at today. But I'm happy to, to provide additional information. Well, Anthony, that's a fascinating story, and there's a lot to unpack there. So, I want to begin with something you said that I think is profound for every entrepreneur to understand, and that's that you're in business to solve problems for people, and so many people don't get that. They think they're in the real estate business or the fast food business or the coaching business or the consulting business, but really clients don't care about those businesses. Clients come to you because they have a problem that they want solved, right? So when you were selling t-shirts and merchandise and swag to companies and corporations and individuals, the problem you were solving for people is... They need to be more visible to potential clients, right? They need to look professional. That's the problem. The problem you were solving wasn't T-shirts, right? Because T-shirts aren't really a problem, right? In fact, correct. If you just focus on, for example, selling T-shirts or just selling research, well, research, you know, I need research on ABC company. Well, then what am I going to base my decision on? Just the lowest price? Or you want t-shirt? I need, you know, 100 white t-shirts. Okay, well then, if all you want is 100 white t-shirts, you just get the cheapest price and, and, and deliver them. Well, no, you don't want to be in that business. The first question, and I'm going to borrow 
from someone I have a, a lot of time time for, but I actually do the, did this without ever hearing of, of Simon Sinek, but he's a, he has in his book, Start With Why, yes. and every time I meet with a client, and I, and I learned this just by, you know, again, my father said, always give clients what they want. Don't give them what you want, give them what they want. It's really easy if you do things that way. So clients would ask me, I need 100 t-shirts. The first thing I would say is, why? Why do you need those t-shirts? Why? Because maybe... You don't even need T-shirts. What's the objective you want? You might be just wasting your time. And the best thing you can do is when the client says, I need 100 T-shirts or I need research on ABC company, if you can make them realize that they didn't actually need it, they came in your, think about coming in your store and they realize and you convince them not to buy something, as much as you believe you're actually turning away money, you're actually building what is invaluable and priceless and that's trust and at the end of the day when you're selling something whether it's t-shirts research asset management stuffed animals you have to build trust with the person that's giving you money in exchange for the product or service and if you recognize that you can learn to sell anything sir that's brilliant that's actually genius you're not turning away business, you're building trust. And trust is the most important commodity in the world. Period, full stop, end of discussion. Every relationship is based on trust, right? So if you sit down with somebody and they say they wanna spend money with you and you figure out that it's actually not in their best interest to go with you and you let them know that, that will wow that person. They'll go, oh my God. This is an honest person. They're not just trying to make money off me. They really care. They want what's best for me. And they're going to go out of their way to tell other people about you. They're going to go out of their way to do business with you if the opportunity arises. That's how it works. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. No, so, so brilliant. And that's very powerful. The other thing that you unpacked for us, which I thought was very powerful, is the power of authenticity. We lived in a world, we live, sorry, in a world that's bereft of authenticity. There are so many people that are charlatans out there in my industry, right, where we help people through our expertise to like, you know, monetize their expertise, right? There's so many what I call charlatan marketers. Some of them, unfortunately, are some of the biggest names in the industry, right? There was just recently a launch, okay, and I'm not, I don't want to say these guys are charlatans, but big, big people in the industry just got together and launched this new online program, make money from your expertise. All they talked about, sir, all they talked about was how many people they signed up to it, how big it was. And you shouldn't miss out because there's everybody's getting in on it. I never heard them say, hey, we're doing this to help you grow your business. We're doing this to help you get out of this situation that you're in where you're not able to monetize your expertise. You're not making the money you should be making, you deserve to be making. All they talked about was themselves, you know? And to me, having someone like you say, Nortel's going to fail, and I don't care if you guys ridicule me because I know that this is the truth, and the truth is going to set my clients free. And I'm looking for the people, the coalition of the willing, to use George Bush's immortal phrase, You'd rather run with three than drag a thousand. You want to find the three that get it versus the thousand that don't. And to me, sir, that was powerful 
that you that you did that. Because of that, you were on the map and your business went from nowhere to like the most successful and respected investment research company in all of North America. Well, definitely in Canada. I'd like to believe maybe in North America, but definitely in Canada. And the other point is we're independent. We only do research. We don't do trading. We don't get involved in underwriting. We actually get paid by the companies that we write about. And that's very important and a very important distinction in our industry. It really is because you don't have a, you don't have a, a dog you have that in conflict a fight. Of interest. Right? You don't have a Correct. conflict of interest. Yeah. But sir, you understand that there's an authenticity to how you put this forward. So listener, Anthony, you have a long-standing relationship. We call each other sir all the time. So you don't normally hear me do this with other guests, but it's <laughs> Anthony. He's my buddy. So this is how we talk, right? So because you did this, sir, you stood out. So sir, my mentor, Matt Church, says that an expert, someone who knows something, okay? So experts are a dime a dozen, right? But a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. And certainly inside the world of investment research, you and your company are known for knowing something. Would you agree with that, sir? Definitely. And and, and I think the important thing is we base our work and our conclusions on looking for facts. There's not a, the opinion is driven from the facts. I find too often when you ask for, just think of you're, you're buying people's opinion, they just tell you what they think. But I think this is going to happen. But I don't really care what people think. I, I want to actually hear about what they know. So when we tell you to buy a stock or sell a stock, it's because we know the following things that we've found from our research on the ground in various different ways and be based on what we know we are now telling you we think this is what will happen now you can disagree with our think and that's cool but you can't disagree with the no because that's based on our expertise yeah the fa- facts are stubborn things to quote the great president ronald reagan <laughs> that's right no, they, they, they truly are. So, so thought leadership becomes a function of being known for your expertise and being respected for that expertise. And when you, when you do that, that's where leverage becomes possible. So, for example, you guys have done a fantastic job of getting clients to buy y- your services, right? And the services that you offer in terms of investment research. And that's fantastic. So, What's amazing and why one of the reasons I'm very excited for you is because that expertise can be leveraged into different arenas. So, for example, you and I have been talking about some of the training programs that you guys offer to employees of your customers, right? And that's correct. That's leverageable. That's taking the same expertise but leveraging it in a new arena and creating new value for people and generating new income streams, right? So, by by saying – you said to me when we initially discussed this – that your vision in offering this training is to make your customers and their employees smarter and better investors, right? And I thought, wow, that's powerful. Like if I'm, you know, the head of a business unit inside a bank that's concerned with investing and I've got people on my team that need to make, you know, better calls when it comes to investing, 
I'd want to know about that type of training. I'd be interested in signing my people up for that type of training. And that's powerful because it takes your initial expertise and the initial way that you make money from it, and you're now leveraging it in a whole new way. And then you can expand upon that. That, in fact, could become a very big, you know, seven, eight-figure stream of income. Potentially. Yeah. Yes. And it's all really, that's the key. We want to make our clients better. You, you read us because we make you a better investor. And then you, you, you listen to our training and we do, we do tra- we're doing training all the time, whether yep. it's through webinars or even we write monthly a dumb thing called the accounting vigil, where we, as, a, as the name uh, suggests, we're paying homage to some interesting accounting trickery that a company's used to somehow make its earnings, cash flows, revenues look better than they might otherwise they're be. Really other, they really are, yeah. So here's, here's what's exciting. If we can stay on this track of leverage, right? Like taking expertise and leveraging it in multiple ways. So another thing that's potentially possible is you guys could create some sort of like high-end exclusive retreat. You could get people that are big people in the world of investing, either institutional or otherwise, and say, look, once a year, we're going to go to Atlantis in the Caribbean. We're going to have like a four-day retreat. There's going to be some extraordinary speakers and content. You're going to get white glove service. And then ongoingly, you'll have access to like our insider stuff or whatever, right? That could be a new way of sharing your expertise and a new revenue stream. You could have something like a dozen people they'd need to pay something like, I don't know, 150 K to participate, blah, blah, blah. That's what well, I, I like mean what by you're leverage. Thinking. Yeah. Well, but I think also we have uh, good managed money, which we've started, which we started. We yeah. can, yeah, with a, because basically we're just taking our ideas and, and, and putting in them into, into funds for, for clients. And I think, like you said, it's all about repackaging and leveraging our, our, our expertise. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And especially once you've got that ability, because you've had clients who know, like, and trust you, then even people who aren't yet doing business with you, they could be attracted to some of these new ways, new offerings that you have, because maybe those are more relevance to the itch they want scratch than what you're currently offering as an example. And then once they experience that, they might be interested in your other offerings. That's the power of leverage and thought leadership in my view. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Anthony, I'm really enjoying this conversation and what you've done, I think is very powerful and very unique. What I'd like you to comment on is how it is that you've thought through your market positioning, how you guys stand out, how you differentiate yourselves. Because to me, part of thought leadership is, is standing out, having some, having the market be clear on what makes you different. So how did you think that through and how have you been implementing that into the marketplace? It's all about focusing on the accounting. So always identifying issues in companies reporting related to accounting, to corporate governance, and disclosure that we believe many investors may be overlooking and highlighting that clearly for our clients so that they know, hey, Veritas, yep, 
they're they're the guys that looked at these details. They're the guys that spend time. So when they're giving us a recommendation, they have my best interest at heart because they're not conflicted, and they've done work that I could not do myself, either because I don't know how or I don't have the time. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And nobody else is really positioning themselves in that fashion in your space. There are others in Canada, not really. In the U.S., uh, there are some other organizations, but I don't think that they marry as much of the actual industry knowledge with the accounting knowledge. I think the accounting knowledge by itself, if you don't understand the industry and the company and can put it into context, is not as powerful as a, a message and a recommendation. But the two married together is a game changer. Correct. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay, sir. The other thing that's important inside standing out as a thought leader is clarity in how you put your message out, right? Clarity is very important because there's a lot of people in the industry, in any industry, who have what what Chip and Dan Heath in their book Stick call the curse of knowledge. That's when you know so much about what you do that you think everybody else does too. So you start speaking in jargon. And the problem is when you speak to people who don't understand what you do as well as you do, it's like you're speaking like a university professor to a kindergartner. And I know that one of the things that Veritas does very well is you guys use very simple, clear, direct language. Can you talk about the importance of clarity and how you've made that work for yourself? Yeah, the, the writing style and the message has to always be in the simplest form. And I think that has been definitely uh, one of my core competencies, and that is to take a very complex issue and situation and communicate it clearly. And it's, it's what we push all our analysts here that we train our own. We train people to become CPAs with us. And that's a big thing that we push is, is the ability to, is to uh, make the research readable by those that are, are not even in our industry. And, and that's something uh, we pride ourselves on being able to do. And you know what? That's important because that's the opposite of the curse of knowledge. You know? And the curse of knowledge, unfortunately, is something that, that's all too prevalent in all too many industries. So I think that's very powerful. Another thing about your company that I think makes a lot of sense for your clients and for your positioning is that you guys are a premium-based company. You don't, you're not in the business of, you know, lowest price, race to the bottom discount. You guys are in the business of offering a premium solution to premium problems and charging for it accordingly. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important? Yeah, you, you don't want to be the cheapest provider if you're – you have to really understand the market that you want to play in first and then understand where you want to be. And it's not necessarily where you are, but where you want to be in that marketplace. So as long as you're perceived as the premium offering, you can charge a premium price. If you're perceived as the, as the low-priced offering, you can't charge the premium price. So Very well said. we – perceive ourselves to be the premium offering and charge accordingly. So you'll find that that will right away weed out customers that you don't want. See, I've learned over time that you get the customers that you deserve, not the clients you want. And so if you go out looking for the type, a certain type of customer, uh, they will come to you. No, that's well said. And it's important to weed out uh, clients you don't want. So I was speaking to a prospect myself uh, the other day, lovely person, 
But when I told him how much we charge, she, she nearly had a heart attack, you know, and she's, oh my God, it's so much more than I thought and blah, blah, blah. And started getting into the price. I'm not interested in dealing with that kind of customer. I'm interested in dealing with customers who understand that a return on investment is the right way to judge how to do this, right? And this, this individual didn't look at the return on investment. They looked at the outlay. And I think there's a, there's a distinction between spend and invest. Spend is to lay out with no expectation of return. Invest is to lay out with an expectation of a return. And, and I think that's very important as well. Agreed. All right. So, sir, finally, one of the things that I think makes what you do stand out from everybody else is you take advantage of your prime competitive advantage, which is that you and your team actually care. How much you care is the biggest competitive advantage you have in any marketplace, in any business relationship. Can you talk about that and and why that's so ingrained in the Veritas ethos? Yeah, and it's difficult to. It's not something that you that you can fake, and it's not something that you can teach overnight. It comes from the culture where people just project the fact that they care, and and it's obvious to clients. So, to me, when one of the biggest moments of pride I have is when a client or prospect, more often, will comment, "Wow, I can tell your analysts." or your team is very engaged, they really care about what they're doing. And I think that that's, a, uh, that's something that's, that's priceless to me when I hear that. No, brother, uh, 100%. Very, very powerful, very important. So listen, uh, this has been a fantastic interview. We like to wrap up each interview by asking you, our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take on in their life and their business to take it to the next level. So what say you? You need to be honest with yourself 100% ruthlessly uh, about what it is that you are best at and what you love to do. And once you've determined that, I like to borrow from someone else that calls it your unique ability, Once you determine what that is, you need to find ways to maximize the amount of time and effort that you're spending uh, allocated to the unique ability because that's why people are paying you. You That is why people want to work for you. That is why you're becoming successful because you have this, whatever that is, that secret sauce that other people uh, want to be uh, associated with and pay for. And then you need to not enter into business for the money. If you wake up every day and you're measuring success by the money, then you could potentially, you're, you're potentially setting yourself up for failure because the moment that the you know, the targeted money doesn't come in, you'll see yourself as being a failure and then it's hard to get back up. So you want to be instead entering and doing your business because it's, again, something that you love to do. And if it's something that you love to do, you will measure your success differently. It won't be any problem to you if a day goes by that you don't make money because you are so happy when someone actually pays you to do what you're loving to do. So, and, and in business, there are more setbacks, 
unfortunately, you have to be prepared for them. More setbacks than there's going to be positives. So if you're already ready for all those setbacks, then when they come off, they roll right off you and you're receptive to when there's going to be a positive. That's the second thing. And, and the third thing is you need to surround yourself with people that have expertise or that have unique abilities that you don't have, but that are complementary to your business. And if they just do what you do, then they're an extension of your arm. And that only goes so far. You need to have more arms because more arms will be able to grow the business much more quickly and much more, I believe, successfully. So look for people that have a unique ability that is complementary to yours that will help grow your business. And then all the tasks that you're doing that are not your unique ability, you'll find someone else to do them. You give them their task. And if it's what makes them happy and the thing that they're best at, then the business just naturally grows because everybody's doing what they're, what they're best at and what they love to do. And so they're not worrying about necessarily how much to get paid. You take the same approach that you, when you ask a client why it is that they're taking your service, you got to make sure that, as I, to my point, the second point, this ties all together, that why you're doing what you're doing. You're not just doing it for money. You're doing it because you want to change the world, because you want to make people happy, because whatever, whatever it is that's secret about your business. And once you figure that out, then you'll see uh, happiness and success. I love those three expert action ships. They are brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, uh, sir, if people want to find out more about Veritas and all the great work that you do, what's the best way for them to do that? VeritasCorp.com, sir. Uh, We've even started a foundation uh, where we're looking to change the philanthropic industry uh, the same way we've changed the research industry, investment research industry. Oh, say a little bit more about that. We are uh, we're doing research on uh, charities to identify those charities that are having the most impact. There are many charities in Canada, some 85,000 of them, many of whom aren't well run, uh, don't receive enough money to run themselves, and uh, people give money to charities without necessarily knowing uh, if that charity is the is the best at uh, at whatever cause they wanna they want to see happen. So if we can make we, what we want to do, we want uh, when people make a donation, they take a different uh, level of they put a different level of scrutiny on that decision than they do when they make an investment. We want to make the use the same level of scrutiny for donations as for investing. So we've developed a research platform that uh, helps identify the best charities. I love it. I think that's fantastic. That's actually incredible, sir. It, it, it's a public service. Um, that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. So look, folks, go to veritascorp.com. Anthony's the real deal. The work he does on the investment side is amazing. If you like what he's doing on the foundation side, check that out get involved, donate. I think this is fantastic. And if you're uh, listening to this and you're in the investment business, you definitely want to make sure that you connect with Anthony and his team, take advantage of all the incredible research that they do. Sir, it's been a real honor having you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure, Nikki. All the best. Oh, 100%. 
that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Anthony Shilapati, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, look into the show notes. And if you're interested in finding out how you can take what you love, your expertise, and turn it into something that you do day by day, something that you monetize, something that it's an expression of your fulfillment in the world, and something that pays you the kind of money that you deserve to make, then go to eastercoacademy.com forward slash appointment or go to the button in the top right-hand corner. Until next time, goodbye.